0: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jordan Stoltz, your host of the Fitness, Food, and Freedom Podcast. This is episode 428 of the show, and I'm talking about the forgotten secret of fat loss. It's a snazzy title, but really what it comes down to is optimizing the mental component of fat loss, the human behavior side, because, you know, I'll get into it a little bit, but the science works, but, uh, often forgotten part is that there's a lot of human behavior that comes into play here and it's not always as black and white as you think hopefully you guys enjoyed today's episode the written version of today's show is on stoltzfit.com slash blog if you're interested in reading out the points that I make in today's episode. And you can find the link to that in the description of this podcast. If you have any questions you want, submit to the show to be answered. You can go to stoltzfit.com slash contact. And you can also inquire to work with me there if you are interested. Let's get started with another episode of the fitness food and freedom podcast. It's Jordan Stoltz back with another episode of the Fitness, Food, and Freedom podcast. You know what, guys? The principles of fat loss work. They always work. People come to me all the time saying things like, I'm eating 1,000 calories a day. I'm not losing weight. I'm in a calorie deficit. I'm not seeing weight loss. I'm plateaued. All of these things, and the answer is not 99% of the time, 100% of the time. If you're not losing weight, you're not in a calorie deficit somehow. You either are under-reporting food, overreporting activity, or maybe you're not finding the right balance of those, or maybe you're not able to stick to it consistently enough, long enough uh, to actually see results. There's some kind of error going on because this is the science of changing your weight. It's just energy. Calories in versus calories out, and it does work that way. There are variables that go into play, but it does work that way for everybody, no matter of your age, hormones, gender, um activity level, anything, it's going to work. And a lot of people don't like that truth, but that is the truth. If I put you in a lab, I could get you to lose weight if you're not able to. It is simple, but in real life, it's not simple because there are a lot of other things that go into it besides eating less and moving more. And a coach or a trainer that just tells you to eat less and move more when you're struggling is not a very good trainer because there's this whole other side to fat loss and nutrition that is the human behavior side. And this is the side that is so often overlooked in trainers, coaches, and people that don't actually have experience training tons and tons of people because when you work with a lot of people in the general population, you'll find things that work that aren't necessarily always based in the latest research and science. It doesn't always have to be that way. It can certainly be, um, you know, it can certainly be more anecdotal. And once you start to see that anecdotal evidence of things working with human behavior um, and helps people put in more effort and stick to the diet better, those are the things that work. And that's the forgotten secret of fat loss. So um, that mental component that underlying mental component, it's its so important. It'll make or break your progress. So I do have some strategies that help set you up for success on this mental side because human behavior needs to be taken into account, and there are some things you can implement in your diet plan and your fat loss diet that will help you on this human behavior side of things. I think that these strategies aren't going to be that revolutionary to you, but my reasoning behind each strategy will hopefully – kind of spark some light bulb moments because it's not always because of hormones and um, simple things. It's oftentimes because of the kind of roundabout human behavior effects that things have. So number one is refeeds, a very common fat loss strategy, very, very commonly in diet plans. But again, the strategy for it, the reasoning behind it, is often kind of in the wrong direction. A lot of times the direction for including them is because of hormone levels, leptin, ghrelin, these hunger hormones to try to help those. What I find is that there are, it's, it's more about the frustration and how refeeds interrupt your life. Those are things that throw you off of a diet, right? Is getting frustrated, you're not motivated anymore, and, you know, maybe you're having trouble being flexible and balanced with your diet and your life. So if you have social events or you want to go out to eat or you want a date night or, um, you know, you know, just are tired of the strict diet plan you're on, having a day that's higher calorie will help you. Fit in going out to eat, including alcohol, maybe going out with friends, going to birthday parties, things like that. It helps you enjoy yourself still while still staying on track overall in the whole week. It is an eye opener to realize that it's the average amount that you consume over the whole week that really matters for progress. Even if one day is a bit higher, it's not going to throw off your progress. That's an important lesson to learn that you don't have to be perfect 100% of the time. But really, why I think refeeds are even more valuable is because of the visual component that kind of starts messing with people's heads while losing fat. Because the truth is, you will actually look worse before you look better in the mirror if you're losing fat. And the reason for that is because excess carbs, especially if you're training, excess carbs make you look better, they make you look more full, um, you know, more, you kind of notice like you feel more tight and things like that because you're eating a bit more your muscles are filled out you're full of glycogen and you're holding more water and this kind of thing when you lose fat and go in that calorie deficit you lose that glycogen first actually before fat and you lose water weight and that can kind of result in this flat look a day of higher carbs here and there will help you um it'll help you fill out again and kind of show you a better gauge of what your progress actually is. So it's a very valuable tool to visually show yourself that you're making progress and you look better even if uh, it doesn't always seem that way because of the flat look that can occur. These are usually included like once a week, be, you know, six days of dieting, one refeed day. You have some flexibility with it so you can adjust it for your social life and things like that. That's number one. Number two are diet breaks, another very, very common uh, tool in fat loss. And this can kind of be included, I say, every three to six weeks because it depends on someone's motivation to stay dieting. If someone was hitting week five and they were still really motivated to keep dieting, still hitting their targets really well, I wouldn't have them do a diet break. I would probably put it off a little bit longer. But usually every three to six weeks is good. Every fifth week is usually what I read Recommend at first, so four weeks fat loss, one week maintenance, or even above maintenance. That's how you structure diet breaks. And the reasoning for that is really the mental component because people will talk about the hormones, the muscle loss, things like that. I don't find that to be as much of the case as um, just having a light at the end of the tunnel, right? To know that your fat loss phase, especially if you have a lot of weight to lose, is only four weeks, it's a lot easier to be perfect those four weeks then to, you know, I guess I could say I would rather have you, you know, 95% perfect for four weeks, than 75% perfect for eight weeks, because it's going to be a lot more effective in that short amount of time, you can in a very controlled way, raise calories, give yourself a break and then go back at it. And if you just push little, little bits where you lose 510 pounds at a time, take a break, Five, ten pounds take a break you can manage a lot of fat loss over a long period of time and not feel tortured and really hungry and low energy at all. It's a very 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 good way to um, mentally stay sharp and motivated. You'll start losing strength and training usually as well around three to four weeks so it comes at the perfect time for training if you're kind of concerned with how your performance is suffering, diet breaks help, bringing that back up because you're eating more calories, you're fueled again, you can kind of push a little harder. And then again, just like refeeds, it helps fill you out and show you the progress you've been making. Number three is, uh, and we're going to kind of get more into subjective things here. It is to train to avoid discouragement. This is kind of a new one to me, but it's a valuable one. It's something that people who are really into performance and training and strength trainings especially suffer With because it's really hard to see all the progress you've worked for kind of go down the tubes, and uh, this can especially be seen if you are like me and motivated by strength. So, ask yourself the questions what gets you discouraged when you're dieting and you're training, and what makes you fall off track? For me, it's when I see my strength dropping rapidly. If I worked really hard to get my bench press up 10, 15 pounds over the last phase or two, and then I see that dropping again back to where it was in fat loss, that is really hard for me to keep wanting to go on. I wanna focus on strength, I wanna give up, I don't like seeing that drop. So what a better strategy is for me is to not test it, right? And to just, you know, you kinda gotta ignore the problem, you kinda gotta turn a blind eye to it. So that might mean including higher rep ranges if you're used to strength training, With low rep ranges like powerlifting training, it might mean more supersets, high volume work, not for the sake of toning or burning or getting sore. It's for the sake of just a different stimulus, and it's for the sake of not being so focused on the numbers because when you are doing higher rep ranges and higher volume and supersets or even just focusing on perfect, perfect form and mobility over the weight you can lift, it's a shift in your mindset and your focus that it keeps training exciting because it's different. and it also keeps your mind off of the falling numbers that have to happen because uh, that's one of the negative effects of dieting is your strength goes down. All right, number four is to choose very wisely between calorie adjustments and activity adjustments. This one is kind of more of a coaching tool. And if you're really experienced yourself, you can do this as well. I'll kind of share with you my guideline that I do with clients. But of course, it's different for everybody. And a good coach will do this properly for you. But every time you go like a week or maybe up to two or three weeks without making any progress, you're faced with this choice. Are you going to lower calories to get through the plateau? Or are you going to increase activity? And it's always got to be one or the other because of those principles i talked about at the beginning of calories in versus calories out you have to adjust one of those variables a lot of times my general guideline is going to be at first adjust your calories because you're probably not going to be too hungry and low of energy and the diet's not going to be that hard right at the beginning not going to kill you to drop another 100 or two calories a day so a couple calorie adjustments at first are good but after that man i really really hesitate to drop calories too much with people because after a while it starts to affect all other areas not just can you stick to your calories and of course adherence is way harder when your calories are way lower that's a big one but also it affects your training intensity how many calories you're burning because of that and how much you move around throughout the day and your sleep and recovery all these things start to go down the tubes but moving more which usually means just maybe another cardio session in the week, maybe 10 minutes more on each cardio session, or maybe another thousand steps a day. There's a lot of ways to adjust activity, but changing that instead of dropping calories sometimes helps keep your energy high, your training good, your sleep good, and it's way easier to just include more activity, another little walk throughout the day or something versus eating less calories every single day of the week. So you got to choose... For you, what's easier to stick to and will make you feel better, and uh, that's kind of a personal choice or a choice a coach has to make, so you have to choose wisely. The last one is what I call not not fitting a square peg into a round hole. Um, In other words, it's properly fitting your diet into your life, and really what I titled this in the written article on stoltfit.com slash blog, I titled it Stay Busy because staying busy really helps fat loss feel like a breeze if you have other stuff going on it's going to feel a lot easier than if you're just sitting at home all day um, you know lazing around the house Um, you're going to want to go to the pantry pull out the chips whatever Uh, but if you are running around town doing errands works busier you have more outside activities to do you're going to stick to your plan a lot better but it's more than that it's about fitting your diet Phases into your life in the proper way. I've talked about this a lot before, but it's so huge. Um, If you have a lot of social events coming up, you have a lot of picnics, birthday parties, that kind of thing, probably not the best time to try to eat low calories because you're going to be forcing yourself to stick to something you don't even want to do in times where it's going to be hard to do that. You're fitting a square peg into a round hole, it doesn't work. You have to plan your phases out with your calendar and your life to make sure it's the best time to focus on a strict diet. For me, January to March or even to April is a great time for me to focus on a diet because work is pretty busy at that time. I am uh, cooking a lot of my own food, not really going out as much, not very many social events going on. So it's a really easy time to stick to things and uh, focus on training and things like that. April to September, terrible time for fat loss for me, because although I am more active in the summer, um, I'm burning a lot more energy, kind of more hungry, need more food. Plus, there's a lot of social events and uh, family get togethers and things going on. So it's not a great time. And same with the holidays, right? Sometimes not a great time to stick to that. So important to plan things around your life properly where you can stay busy, but also the phase fits nicely with your life. So those are it. The forgotten secret of fat loss is human behavior. And these strategies I went over today will help you optimize that and make sure your diet fits around those things to take that mental component just into account because they might, you know, the principles might work and uh, every coach that's any good or Instagram influencer will tell you that, but it's more about that. It's not, uh, it's not just black and white. There's this gray area that's a balancing act. It is um, human behavior and what helps you stick to your plan, what helps you feel your best and what keeps you motivated. Only practice will find that balance for you and you need some kind of discipline, you need some kind of flexibility, you got to balance the two. It's kind of tough. A coach can help you, but uh, experience will help you too. So hopefully these strategies I outlined today will help you um, find that balance in your own life and get you guys to your goals thank you for listening to another episode of the triple f podcast this was 428 i believe and i will talk to you guys next time thank you for listening and have a great week